0: chocolate 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 Chocolate. from dame cacao i'm max gandy and this is chocolate on the road the show where we explore hot topics surrounding cacao and chocolate cultures around the world so let's hit the road To start off, I want to apologize for the lack of a new episode last month. I spent the better part of August packing up my life in Korea. I truly did not have the time to put together the story of Taiwanese chocolate and cacao, because it's honestly taken a little more finessing than usual. Living in Asia, I've gotten very used to language barriers, but some of the most prominent have been in Japan and Taiwan. Taiwan is an island nation off the southern coast of China, where the official language is Mandarin, and with help from English-speaking friends, some of my interviews went from one person to two or three, and as a result, today's episode on Taiwan has been formatted a bit differently from my usual flow. Generally, I try to find people who have played a specific role, whom I believe can tell parts of their country's story with accuracy and enthusiasm. And in the case of Taiwan, the country's overall history is directly related to its current relationship with cacao and chocolate. It involves colonization, cane grass, and a health crisis. So today's episode will involve four groups of people telling their own overlapping experiences and knowledge within the Taiwanese chocolate scene. These first couple of interviews are a little hard to understand, but you'll get a good sense of the history and struggles of cacao on Taiwan until today. Because even for the cacao farmers, it always comes down to the chocolate. Taiwan is currently the northernmost part in the world where cacao can comfortably be grown, with some farms as far north as 24 degrees latitude. Chapter 1 of this story begins in Pingtung County, Taiwan, where most of the country's cacao is grown. This is ming Song and his daughter Julia interpreting for him via phone call from abroad. The Cho family farm is just a few kilometers from downtown Pingtung City, and Julia generously helped me navigate everything. When Ming-sung first planted his cacao, it was because he saw another local farmer growing some. He saw a lot of potential in the crop once he learned what it is.
1: He said he only, he started to grow cacao and then he started to learn about this he said he actually a really high value business value crops and he can actually become one of the really important couple of the local farmers.
0: This was in the early two thousands, around two thousand two. But cacao's history on Taiwan is much longer, dating back a hundred or more years. So when did cacao come to Taiwan? The first time mm-hmm.
1: Yoma. As far as he knows, about 40 years ago, they were a uh, people who actually imported cocoa trees from ivory coast, but they did not manage to grow it and then make that to chocolate. But um, another thing I would like to add, my dad, he does not know that um, during Japanese colonization period. There was actually a company that started to grow cacao. So, at least cacao in Taiwan, in this history, at least 80, 90 years plus. It's actually a long history, but no one has actually successfully made it from tree to chocolate mm. um, until us.
0: When did you start the tree to bar chocolate here
1: in Pingkong? So when uh, we actually started to grow cocoa, it was around 2002 to 2003. After three years, uh, we started to harvest the uh, cocoa pods. And after that, we started to taste how to do chocolate since 2007 to, to 2009. And in 2010, we started to some productions and stabilize all the products.
0: Back 10 years before, 2007, 2008, how did you try to make chocolate?
1: He said during that time, um, when we just started, it's just really basic information. And at that time, I, I was not there to help them. And they, so they were doing some really basic things like hey grinding all the chocolate and try to make that too. Maybe it probably will be quite easy to make from cocoa beans to chocolate but they fail tremendously. <laughs> and later on, I started to like, look for some machine from um, online. Mm. So um, I started to order some, some small grinding machines. 2008, 2009, 2010, in the time and we started to actually start producing chocolate.
0: When you were a young kid, what chocolate did you eat? Did you eat chocolate here in Ping Yes.
1: His memory when he was a child about chocolate is all about, it's more like chocolate candy. It's all circle and then really sweet. Or um, when people, they actually go travel overseas, they normally buy some chocolate.
0: This sounds familiar. People bringing back chocolate as gifts without much local chocolate manufacturing. But unlike Japan, Hong Kong, and Korea, Taiwan grows both of the ingredients needed to make chocolate: cacao and sugar. For many decades, there were a huge producer of sugar cane, which supplied the Japanese army during occupation. Japan occupied the island of Taiwan for 50 years from 1895 to 1945. During that time, Japan shaped the local culture. Not only did they change the official language and architecture and fashion, but they changed the country's infrastructure. They chose what crops they would grow, and that legacy has had great impact. Sugarcane dominated southern Taiwan for decades.
1: After sugarcane cane started to drop um, for South America and the when those areas start to grow sugarcane. the price is much cheaper. And Taiwan start to, those lands start to send it to local farmers. They use the land to grow uh,
0: bananas or pineapples. Another common crop in the South is the betel nut, grown on a tall palm tree and popular for its stimulant properties. We be in
1: one of the biggest production of betel nuts, but the government is not trying to promote that. Because, um, they know they cause a lot of a cancer, and they cannot export beetle nuts to overseas. So pretty much this is just for local
0: consumption. Taiwan grows the three common cacao varietal groupings, Criollo, Trinitario, and Forastero. Right now, the government is encouraging farmers to grow cacao under the betel nut trees, eventually getting rid of them entirely. But it's not that easy. Betel nuts are a part of the cultural landscape and they fetch a great price. But cacao is on the up and up as well. ming Song told me that the average prices right now range from 600 to 1,000 new Taiwanese dollars per kilo, or about 20 to 33 US dollars. With the global craft chocolate market picking up traction, farmers are planting more cacao than ever. Local well, government is trying a
1: lot, a lot by the means. is, this fashion, new industry, um, industry. There's still a lot of areas in the world, especially how to market the power chocolate since the price is pretty high, and the production and quality is not always
2: good.
0: Just a short drive from the Cho Family Farm and Restaurant, there are dozens of farms. One of these belongs to Joyce Lee and her family. They also make chocolate with their own cacao, and the value-add trend does not seem to be slowing down. In July, I sat down with Joyce and her uncle, as well as Arlene Huang, the head of Ping Cacao Growers Association. While Joyce and her uncle have been growing cacao for well over a decade, Arlene is much newer to the industry. In 2013, her father fell ill, and she moved home to take care of him. Eventually, he convinced her to do some work with the local farmers— and she became fascinated by cacao, as many of us have. Since then, she's brought in international chocolate making and fermentation experts to do seminars with local farmers. The number of Taiwanese small batch chocolate makers has jumped from three in 2015 to well over a dozen in 2019. When I asked the trio about the most popular crop in Pingtung County, the answer was unanimous and familiar. you go. Yeah, go. The
3: the beetle, beetle tree. tree. Yeah, yeah, beetle tree. Yeah, yeah, beetle Beetle tree.
0: Tree. Yeah, Beetle, beetle okay. yeah. And they plant cacao under the nuts. So, in terms of the beetle nut industry, has cacao been added to the beetle nut farms or replaced the beetle nut trees?
3: Mm.
0: In the same thing. In the same thing. In, in the, the whole region. Yeah. yeah. Most so, the added to. The first person who answers my next question is Joyce. So, what have been the biggest issues with growing more cacao and convincing farmers to
2: grow cacao to sell?
0: Mm-hmm. For the cacao farmers, the
3: need people to harvest and to do more product and the it to they have a more income, to have a stable life.
0: And that's that's been an issue is convincing farmers that there is a market?
3: Right now maybe not. They cannot see the market for the cacao market. Yeah, right now. They cannot see it. They don't see the market. I mean the chocolate market in Taiwan.
0: What about for chocolate makers? Chocolate
3: makers. Still big issue for us too. For me as a chocolate maker I can see a big market in Mm Taiwan. Or maybe I'll rather to just sell the cacao bean to the overseas. It might be easier. So I might change my mind just two different parts. One is like making chocolate just in Taiwan but for outside I mean other country to export the cacao bean.
0: What is the price of cacao from Taiwan relative to, like, Philippines next door per uh, kilo?
3: Per kilo in Taiwan would be from, like, 700 to 1,000 per kilo.
0: So yeah. anywhere from, like, 22 to 33 U.S. Yep. dollars. Uh-huh. What about the Philippines? Do you know around the price for
1: Maybe fermented
0: dried cacao.
3: Maybe mm-hmm. yeah,
1: $200? Maybe
3: 200 yeah, $200, yeah. 300 mm-hmm. So maybe like $6 mm-hmm. per yeah. kilo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also Ecuador and our country, uh, the final price in Taiwan uh, for customer, only 401 one kilo.
0: For domestic yes. market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so it's like really 14 solders.
3: hours. But uh depending on the quality. Coffee and cacao is not only the agricultural product. Mm-hmm. It's a commercial mm-hmm. uh, product. Easy to process and then uh, easy to store and to get more value.
0: What is the issue with farmers improving quality? Like, what do they need to improve or change?
3: I see now in Taiwan, almost a uh, bean-to-bar chocolate maker or company, uh, only few don't know how to, what is fine chocolate or fine cocoa. So they don't know...
0: uh. <clears throat> They don't know how to evaluation cacao bean. They just care price. The price of Taiwanese cacao can seem much too high for chocolate makers just starting out, and when consumers don't know much about local cacao in the first place, it's hard to justify spending so much on ingredients. Here's Joyce one more time.
3: Because Asian people, most of the Asian people care about the health
2: mm.
0: and
3: the dark. Or black mean mm-hmm. health. So, it means less sugar. Yeah, yeah, less sugar. So, first of all, for the customers they will prefer to buy. They will ask, is your chocolate stock? they say, yes. Okay, fine. They don't care about the percentage. Or the flavor, yeah. apparently. Uh-huh. And they will say, okay, I have 75, 85. And I will keep asking, do you have more, like, no sugar? They say okay, I have a hundred. I say okay, I will buy a hundred
1: because there's a issue with it. They don't care about the flavor, so they think of it more like a supplement,
2: mm-hmm.
3: just like taking the medicine or for the, the vitamin, yeah. something mm-hmm. like two two pieces a day to keep your like one apple one an apple day. a day yeah, is
0: the doctor. Like that, yeah. okay. Going from chapter two to chapter three, this obsession with health has swept all over East Asia, but it's hit hardest in Taiwan, Hong Kong, and China. It can be a frustrating trend for farmers trying to focus on quality first, but it does represent consumers' growing interest in what they're actually eating. Taiwan has a long history of thoughtful tea consumption. The country's tea-growing regions are famous throughout Asia for their green, black, and oolong teas, among others. This has given local chocolate makers a small base of relative flavors to work from, comparing different types of teas. But craft chocolate is still incredibly new in Taiwan. And unlike other countries, coffee culture is not very strong in Taiwan. Almost all of the locally made chocolate is consumed domestically. Only a few makers have begun selling off the island, and... Perhaps the most well-known of those is Fu Chocolate. Nearly 10 years ago, Warren Xu and his family opened up Fu Hotel and Restaurant, just south of Kaohsiung. Four years ago, in 2015, they became interested in chocolate. Warren was head chef at the restaurant at the time, and he got into chocolate making when he found local cacao on a sourcing trip for the restaurant. On his honeymoon in Italy that same year, he and his wife tried numerous local chocolates, the following year they began selling their own bean to bar chocolate made with taiwanese and other origins of cacao in late 2017 they began planting their own cacao trees in terms of that the market to whom you're selling where do you sell most of your chocolate is is most of it sold locally in taiwan or internationally
4: yes it's now it's now not local in taiwan about uh, i think about uh only maybe only one percent. uh in U.S., in U.K., Hong Kong, and Japan, but mainly still in in Taiwan.
0: So, what have you found the reception of the chocolate to be like in the local market? How do people usually respond
4: to seeing Taiwanese chocolate? I think now it's quite interesting. People is getting more and more interest toward Taiwan local produce and products. So when they know our chocolate is from Taiwan, they will first, they usually feel very surprised and when they try the chocolate, they can easily tell it's very high quality chocolate. And also I think the award-winning logos, the media, the press also helps a lot to, for for the consumers to understand and recognize a really good quality chocolate. Uh, still, there is a problem with the price because we have the highest price in the world. So, uh, also we have to take time to explain uh, why the the these chocolates um worth this price.
0: So your your farm is a bit. Out of the way in terms of visitors. About how much of your chocolate do you actually sell from the retail shop from Uan Villa?
4: Seventeen percent of my revenue comes from B two B. So eighty three percent from my my own shop.
0: Okay, so just just over eighty percent direct from you. Do you sell online as well?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course.
0: Okay, is that popular in Taiwan to buy foods, to buy chocolate in particular, online?
4: I think it's popular to buy everything online in Taiwan, because <laughs> the, uh, the shipping, the transportation is too convenient.
0: Buying chocolate online is tough in the tropics, but it does seem to be popular. Also well-loved are Fuan's many flavored chocolate bars, especially those made with Taiwanese tea. It beautifully brings together the culturally and commercially relevant agriculture on the island.
4: People in Taiwan, is, I would say they try to get used to chocolate with the Taiwanese ingredients that they are already very familiar with, like the fruits, the flowers, the spices all the Taiwan ingredients we make the chocolate with, people will understand that, wow, chocolate can be made like this and with the the ingredients that they are very used to.
0: So you mentioned earlier that you wanted to turn Puan into a leisure farm. And that's something that I've never seen outside of Taiwan. That is a very Taiwanese thing with DIy activities is can you can you explain the concept of a leisure farm
4: a farm that you can really do something together with or you can say you play with the produce uh, you can get involved with the a real process sometimes in the end sometimes in the beginning the owner of the farmers will try to uh, condense the process or make it simple for a customer to try to experience the value or the interesting moments while producing the, the product.
0: What's the rule of like having a DIY workshop?
4: Actually, most of the DIY activities are uh, designed for children, but some of the teenagers also some of the adults will want to do the diy because the way of taiwanese people to to have uh, leisure activities is to do something they are not so used to get relaxed or really enjoy the environment enjoy the the atmosphere Uh, most of them want to do something when when they travel to a place or visit a place. And also, I think one of the most important functions of a DIY activity is for the kids to have something to do and then the, the mother and the father can do the shopping.
0: For our last chapter in Taiwan, we'll meet two sisters who have built their chocolate making business in central Taiwan. But their story is almost completely unrelated to the local tree of bar chocolate movement in Taiwan. They actually only opened their store last year, in 2018, with a rather unusual backstory.
2: Hello, I'm Vivian. I'm Angela. And um, we're the owner and founder of King Cacao Taichung in Taiwan. And how did you become involved with cacao and chocolate making?
5: So actually, basically, because we grew up from Africa, and then we've always uh, studied there. And after graduation, my dad did ask us to go back to Africa. And um, on the last year that I was working there, there was just somebody that bring us a cacao pod, and then asked us if we could buy from them, because they do have some resources, but it's really limited. And then at first, we didn't know what was cacao pod or... Help about a lot of chocolate but we just decided because we wanted to help the farmers to sell more so we just decided to take it from them and then from there we just start going to visit some workshop and then we studied a lot and then we found out that oh, that be, there's this thing called bean to bar and then where it's like with a lot of flavorings and then there's a lot of technique inside and we basically just fell in love with chocolate.
2: And around what year was this? How long ago was this? Two years ago. Okay, so around twenty yeah. seventeen. Yes, it started. It started okay. there actually.
0: And why did that farmer approach your father? What made him think that
5: he would be interested in buying cacao? Because actually, they always take chances. They ask around,
4: mm-hmm. and then
5: because um, in Africa, there's not a lot of like employing work going on. So if they have a chance, they would just always wait, uh, wait in front of our company door. So we have a lot of people that would be waiting and they're just asking for job. So this man just happened to see our company and then just came to us and then asked like, oh, are you guys interested in
0: So how do you source your cacao now? Is it still from just the one farmer who came to you in Africa? In Cote d'Ivoire?
5: No, no. in Congo. In Congo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for now, it's from different little villages, but it's still all around that area, actually.
0: Um, what area of the Congo is
5: it? In the central of Congo, Congo. Mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Vivian and Angela's
0: shop has been a much truer test of the potential for craft chocolate in Taiwan. Unlike most local makers, they're not working tree to bar or connecting Taiwanese cacao farmers to a market. They didn't grow up on Taiwan. They don't use Taiwanese flavors, but African ones, like Roselle. Yet much of what they've noticed and experienced has aligned with what everyone else has said. So how much is a bar of your chocolate compared to, like, in the supermarket here? Uh,
5: In the supermarket, we saw a bar, you can get it for around 60 NT, and then for us, a bar of 30 grams is around um, 120
0: So like two U.S. dollars versus around four U.S. dollars. Are they similar Mm
5: weight? Not quite because there's a lot of bars that outside that they will add other things. We don't really have dark chocolate and we don't really have a lot of dark chocolate in the market actually. So do you only make dark chocolate here? We have one dark milk chocolate and then now we're trying with more flavoring chocolate as well.
0: What are the most popular chocolates?
5: A lot of people like 80 more, like our 80%, because they still like to taste different um, texture and then different flavor from a bar. So it kind of shocked people that when they eat a piece of chocolate, they have like not just the flavor not of chocolate, but also some other flavor that Mm -hmm. they can pick up as well. Yeah. Because normally they will just chew on it. So every time when we give samples, we will be like, let it melt. Wait They're for pretty it. shocked from yeah. what
2: they have, like yeah. what they get.
5: But that. that's quite rewarding also when you see people be like, oh, oh, I didn't expect that. I like this one. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: So how do people usually approach the chocolate? Like as a fine food or as a dessert or as a piece of art?
5: Mm-hmm. I think we have a little bit of all type of people of because our type uh, we do a lot of events but because since we grew up with a lot of different people so our market is also different. So some people that will come here because of the packaging, then they will think that is a uh, kind of art. And then when you start knowing art, you will be like, oh, Bean to Bar is actually a, a art making and not just a process. Mm-hmm. And for those people that eat it just for the benefit, because they have a lot of online resource, that say that dark chocolate, especially not Bean 2 Bar is really good. Mm-hmm. So some people just come to us because of the benefit as well.
2: But I do have a lot of uh, younger clients that will buy mm-hmm. a higher percentage of chocolate for elder people. As in as like, it. they'll be like, oh, this is healthy, it's good for your heart, and whatsoever. Yeah. They do give, it, and then they will go a little bit more of the sweeter bars. For themselves.
0: So in the city, there's maybe more of a developed fine food market, or just mm. people who are used to premium versions of
2: the foods they eat well i get a lot of comparison with the big brands like they always come and be like why is it so expensive i buy yes. lint i buy <laughs> that's, and I that's I it, Yeah. 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 <laughs> and after that if they like it or buy it if not they would be like you're very well, most welcome to stay with your Godiva. i mean yeah. it. it's your mind yeah. yeah but um i think time like uh we, we're trying to make more even and even with kids. Actually, we'll do like chocolate craft art. Like, they can play with the chocolate, and I'll explain to them how the chocolate comes from. And then it's very healthy to be eating it afterwards and not buying like just bought chocolate and let them know. But we'll talk to the parents first. Like, okay, so I'm making a bean to bar class. You guys can come over, and then we'll tell them, the kids, like, what is chocolate and why is it not bad to eat it, and then what's the difference between this one and the one you guys actually eat. And then parents love
5: it. Like they, they need some activities to go on with their kids as well.
4: Mm-hmm. And then
5: if you do have these activities that will give knowledge to their kid, they will prepare those kind of courses. Yeah. So that's why some of our DIY course more, there's more and more people that would like to join.
0: When I visited Taiwan, I wanted to help tell its story through a range of perspectives and roles. But what I found was an unfinished book, just a few chapters in. If I were to dig into the many projects in progress across Taiwan, I'd find a well of businesses just beginning. For one, there's the chocolate maker in the capital city of Taipei, using cocoa butter and whole coffee beans to create coffee bars. Each one highlights a different coffee region of Taiwan, and he's working on a similar project with tea. For as messy and painful as Taiwan's history with China and Japan is, there are undeniable ties there. As each of those regions continues to develop a chocolate and cacao culture, so will Taiwan. Exploding cacao production in the nearby Philippines could have a large impact upon Taiwan's cacao industry. But for now, we'll just have to keep an eye on the beautiful islands, chocolate and cacao, and check in next time we go On the Road. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chocolate on the Road. Apologies for my voice, I am recovering from a cold. If you liked it, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and share it in any way you see fit. Your support truly means so much. All of the lovely messages really keep me motivated to continue sharing the stories and experiences of chocolate and cacao entrepreneurs around the world. An especially huge oversized thank you to everyone who helped me in Taiwan. In particular, Vivian and Angela, Warren, Jade Lee, Arlene, Joyce, Chongguan, Song Cho, and his daughter Julia. There's, there's so many more people, but not enough time to mention them all. To learn more about our guests, check out the show notes of the episode at the link in the description or on my website at damecacao.com. That's D-A-M-E-C-A-C-A-O dot C-O-M. Have a wonderful day and I hope you'll join me next time we go on the road.